the environment is a little bit uncertain, that can be a good time, again, for long-term investors to add and continue to hold based on the track record of what these banks have delivered over a long period of time. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Investors have sold off Canadian banks alongside global peers in recent weeks amid Credit Suisse's fire sale to UBS and broader financial system concerns. On today's episode, portfolio managers Vishal Bhatia, Chris Heeks, and your host Mackenzie Box discuss how the sell-off has created buying opportunities for longer-term investors. They also discuss other trading opportunities created by the recent volatility, including in infrastructure stocks, as well as what Canada's latest inflation print means for the Bank of Canada's interest rate trajectory. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to BMO ETF's weekly insights podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide comments and questions. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Chris Heeks and Vishal Badia, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you to both Chris and Vish for joining me today. Thanks, Mackenzie. Good to be here. Thanks, Mackenzie. So with that, we'll get started. First, we'll start with you, Vish. We saw Canadian CPI come in cooler than expected yesterday. Can you give us an overview of what happened and what this means for investors moving forward? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, yesterday we saw that inflation and underlying price pressures fell substantially in line with expectations, which boosted the Bank of Canada's case for keeping interest rates unchanged, despite uh, what we've seen in the last little while, pretty solid job increases. Specifically, uh, yesterday, StatScan, StatScan's uh, numbers showed that the consumer price index rose 5.2% in February versus a year ago. And that's less than the consensus prediction for 5.4% uh, growth, down from 5.9% uh, in January. So that actually represents the biggest slowdown in headline inflation since April 2020. On a monthly basis, we saw that the index increased 0.4% in February, which again was a little bit below predictions of a 0.5% gain. And recall that about two weeks ago, uh, the Bank of Canada governor, McClem and his officials, they kept borrowing costs unchanged for the first time in nine meetings. They've been on a tear up until then for with interest rate uh, hikes. And so, you know, at that time, they indicated that they were closely watching economic developments, including inflation and jobs data, to judge whether the, the 425 basis points of rate hikes that they'd done to 4.5% uh, over the past year will be enough to cool the economy a bit and restore some price stability. And so yesterday's numbers that came out showed that inflation is, in fact, gradually cooling. And that really, I guess, bolstered or reinforced uh, the Bank of Canada's decision to you know, uh, pause on its tightening campaign, even though 
you know, we've seen that the economy has been mostly durable following uh, relatively steep increases in borrowing costs. And uh, as far as, you know, upcoming releases, the report that came out on Tuesday, that's one of the key releases before the next big decision point, which would be on April 12th. Uh, the bank thus far has indicated that it expects headline inflation to fall to around 3% by mid-year. If we look to overnight swap markets, if we like to, you know, read the tea leaves and gain indications about what kind of bets are being made regarding the direction of rates. They're suggesting that the Bank of Canada will have to cut rates by 25 basis points at some point this year. So, you know, in terms of what that means, of course, all of this is on balance, uh, positive for equities, suggests that we're moving to a, a, you know, towards rate normalization, and this should be beneficial for companies that rely on borrowing as it means that they may be able to borrow money at lower interest rates in the near future. As well, you know, lower inflation can help consumer spending, which ultimately will flow through to boost corporate earnings. So that's really, I guess, the key takeaways from yesterday's release. Great. Thanks, Vish. And hopefully uh, some more positive news to come. Looking for some investment direction? Look no further than the BMO ETF Roadmap, a comprehensive guide to steer clients into the right vehicle to meeting their investment objectives. Visit bmoetfs.ca forward slash ETF Roadmap and simply choose a category filter, add a geographic focus, and even select a currency focus to discover the broad suite of BMO ETFs that help put investors on the road to financial peace of mind. Again, that's bmoetfs.ca forward slash ETF Roadmap. Next, we'll pass it to you, Chris. Something that's very topical right now and we're seeing a lot of news on is the fire sale of Credit Suisse uh, that just happened over the weekend, as well as we're continuing to digest all the volatility in the U.S. banks. Can you give us a quick rundown of what happened and what this means for central banks moving forward? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Mackenzie. So definitely a lot going on in uh, the banking world, as we all know. Overall, I think the buyout of Credit Suisse has allayed a lot of fears in the markets and and has been a positive development in containing some of that volatility. Credit Suisse is one of the globally systematically important banks. So, you know, very important bank, you know, perhaps, you know, more important than than the regional banks we'll touch on in a second. You know, at its height, it had been a hundred billion dollar market cap, which would make it one of the biggest banks, you know, in Canada. Suffered in recent months, obviously, and liquidity concerns peaked in the past uh, week as we saw those woes with the U.S. regional banks. So the buyout, uh, a UBS buying out uh, Credit Suisse with the support of the Swiss government uh, does take quite a bit of pressure off uh, the global financial system. So a little bit of details about the transaction. Uh, valued Credit Suisse at 3 billion Swiss francs. Um, again, a far cry from uh, what it was valued at at its height. There's a couple interesting nuggets around it that we probably don't have time to get into today, but uh, some bondholders were wiped out, some uh, AT1 bonds, as they're known, uh, $17 billion was wiped out. So that was an interesting development where we saw some bond losses, although the equity holders did get some compensation. And then the other thing is, you know, Swiss government really had to guarantee, you know, a lot of potential losses for UBS. I think overall, you know, one way to measure 
how the market thinks about a merger like this is, is to look at the acquirer. And UBS traded down initially about 15%. So obviously the, the initial reaction was not good, but realizing that there was a lot of uh, strengths, client relationships uh, within Credit Suisse, uh, UBS is now about 10% above where it was trading prior to the deal was announced over the weekend. So looks like UBS got them for a very good price. Uh, the market likes it. And we have seen Europe, you know, as well as European banks kind of go higher throughout the week. So somewhat positive, you know, when we're talking about uh, banking volatility to see a stronger bank come in and help stabilize the weaker bank, you know, overall, it's a good development. Two of the banks obviously uh, went bankrupt last week, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature. Uh, First Republic is the one that's kind of most notably on the edge and looks like it's still on the edge, uh, but they are getting pledges of support and interest from other banks. So, you know, I think optimistically, it looks like this regional bank issue in the U.S. is, you know, it's starting to stem the bleeding, which is which is a positive development for markets. And uh, and then just to tack on to your last part of your question is what does this mean for central banks? Well, you know, obviously the central bank's primary primary function is, you know, the control of the money supply uh, and inflation, controlling inflation and employment. But they also obviously have regulatory oversight responsibilities um, and want to ensure smooth functioning of financial markets. Uh, so positive development in that's that uh, on, on that side. Um, you know, as Vish said, we're seeing inflation coming down, particularly in Canada, and that's giving the central banks, I think, a little more flexibility to take the foot off the gas with respect to interest rate increases. That said, with this volatility, we did see long rates come down a fair bit. So the question will be if the banking system stabilizes now, you know, will those rates remain where they are? Or perhaps will they drift back up a little bit higher? So, so time will tell on that. But, you know, overall, it looks like it's positive developments as we're kind of a, a week and a half into this, um, this banking crisis. And, and obviously, with the Fed reporting shortly, um, we're going to get more information on where they see things. Great. Thanks, Chris. Next, we'll move back to you, Vish. Given the volatility we've been witnessing in the markets as of late, due to the turmoil in the U.S. banking sector. Uh, what kind of strategies should investors be looking at, given the recent news? Thanks. Well, I mean, of course, there are numerous strategies that, uh, you know, do well in this type of environment. But one, you know, strategy that has been resonating in this environment is listed infrastructure, which one can access uh, in the BMO Global Infrastructure Index ETF, uh, ticker ZGI. The fund invests in companies operating the essential services that underpin society, things like water treatment plants, communications infrastructure, toll roads, electric power utilities, and so on. So really services uh, that are, you know, benefit from inelastic demand, right? This is the stuff that we all uh, need. And so there's uh, two reasons really why this strategy has been popular with institutions and retail alike. And Really, the first is its performance as an inflation hedge. And the second are the diversification benefits that are offered by a strategy such as this. With respect to the first point, its performance as an inflation hedge, sure, you know, as, as I mentioned before, this inflation is appearing to be heading in the right direction downwards, yet uh, it remains elevated and listed infrastructure is prized because many listed infrastructure assets, such as toll roads, 
airports, utilities, and so on, they have contracts uh, that explicitly link their revenue to inflation. So, you know, that that uh, revenue is kind of protected against cost increases and inflation. This means that, you know, as the general price level increases, so too do the revenues and cash flows from these assets. And, and that's what's able to help you know, protect investors from the negative effects of inflation on the returns and contributes to the strong like income-driven uh, return component uh, of, of these assets. And the second reason that, I guess, infrastructure assets are really attractive in general, but in particular in volatile times, are the diversification benefits. Uh, amidst market volatility in particular, infrastructure has historically done very well. Uh, and what's underlying that low correlation to broad markets is, is that they're diversified across multiple geographic regions and industries. And the cash flows, as I mentioned, are being generated from businesses which uh, have very long-lived assets underlying them uh, and which you know uh, generate very, very uh, you know, famously long and stable uh, cash flow streams. And so as a result, the returns of these companies don't get swept up as much as broad markets can tend to do, in, particularly in volatile times. And historically, that's resulted in really attractive uh, upmarket participation, coupled with historically strong downside protection as well. And, and that's why uh, a lot of investors have been looking at infrastructure as a way to get access to this, this, this pool of core assets that uh, you know, look good in all seasons. Great. Thanks, Fish. BMO ETFs is proud to launch 10 new tickers with a range of solutions covering fixed income, sector-based covered calls, and inflation solutions. The BMO U.S. Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZUAG, gives investors access to the broad U.S. market for shorter-duration bonds. Two new covered call funds in energy and healthcare tickers. ZWEN and ZWHC, respectively, are now available for sector-focused investors. For those seeking inflation-fighting funds, the BMO Global Agriculture ETF or BMO U.S. Tips Index ETFs, tickers ZEAT and TIPS, satisfy both equity and bond solutions to rising consumer prices. Visit BMOETFs.ca for more. The last question of today, uh, we'll kind of build off the earlier question we had to, towards you, Chris. Um, what has the impact been and what will it be moving forward for Canadian banks, given the news that we've seen in the last week or so? And can you speak to what this means for Canadian bank-heavy portfolios as well? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, banks are globally linked, but, uh, you know, Canadian banks still have that reputation, and I think it's well-founded. That going back to 2008 is where it really sh they really shown, but you know being well capitalized uh, and well regulated as well. Uh, so you know looking at the bank, can, average Canadian bank tier one capital is 13.7 percent. You know that's above the OSFI, so our bank regulator minimum of 11 percent, and that's much above the global average as well. So again, well capitalized, well regulated. You know, Canadian banks have a, you know, diverse business mix, you know, pretty solid depositor base and, and obviously well diversified as we know they run through all seams and corners of our economy. And, you know, as a result, they've held up well, you know, like whereas we've seen um, uh, U.S. banks down 20 to 30 percent 
uh, and some of them down more. Uh, Canadian banks have been down about seven. Uh, Euro- European banks are down about ten, um, and working their way back with the, with the, with the uh, with the merger we were talking about earlier. So Canadian banks have held in well, and I think you know there's they, they, the track record is one that uh, you know we continue to have a lot of confidence in them to navigate volatility. And and deal with some of these, um, you know, some of these, uh, yeah, volatile developments. So if you look look at where they're at right now, so ZEB, which is our BMO Equal Weight Canadian Banks Index ETF, yielding a, a pretty attractive five percent net distribution yield. Uh, and then there's our ZWB, our our uh, BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, yielding eight point one percent. You know, pretty attractive yield when uh, inflation is still ticking in that you know five percent range uh, that we were talking about earlier. You know, historically, when the banks yield five percent on average, that's that's historically often a good time to buy for longer term investors. Uh, if you look at the earnings profile of the banks, you know they're trading at nine times forward earnings. You know, ten-year historical average is probably closer to it's up closer to eleven times. So, uh, on a forward PE, you know, about a twenty percent discount to historical. You know, that gives Canadian banks, I think, a nice buffer to whether you know whether whether the storm or or whether it's a storm or you know a bit of a you know a milder storm, uh, but gives gives them that ability to to weather and buffer those uh, challenges. And um, you know, again, I think it's pretty attractive. You know, for an environment where we're continuing to see volatility, you know, of different sorts. You know, again, having that well capitalization, well regulated, you know, solid underlying businesses, I think serves them well. So again, for longer term investors, I think uh, ZEB and ZWB are ones. Um, uh, that that you can look to add and hold into into a portfolio, and you know, in terms for Canadian bank heavy portfolios, you know what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So uh, as I say, you know ZDV or BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, you know it has a healthy weighting in banks. Or there's our covered call uh, BMO covered call high dividend ETF ZWC. A uh, couple examples of some bank heavier portfolios. You know about quarter of the portfolio in each. And again, I think, you know, that that those solid Canadian bank profiles really underpin, you know, some of the attractive characteristics of those portfolios. So although it's, you know, the environment is a little bit for sure uncertain, uh, there can be a good time, again, for long term investors to to add and, and continue to hold, you know, based on uh, the track record of, of what these banks have delivered over a long period of time. Great. Thanks, Chris. That's it for all the questions we have this week. So a special thank you to both Chris and Vish uh, for joining me today um, and sparking some positive news in the markets. Uh, Definitely lots going on right now. Um, But with that, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, Have yourself a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Vishal Bhatia and Chris Higgs for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today we heard about the BMO Global Infrastructure Index ETF, ticker ZGI, which invests in a diversified basket of global infrastructure equities. Our experts also discussed the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, which is equally weighted across Canada's major financial institutions. And finally, the BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, ticker ZDV, which gives investors diversified exposure to high-quality Canadian dividend stocks. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard 
at bmoetfs.ca. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.